Section 15 of The Age of Anne by Edward Ellis Morris. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 15 Peace of Utrecht. In January 1711, a messenger arrived from London at Paris, who, calling upon Torcy, the Minister for Foreign Affairs, began his conversation with these words Do you wish for peace, sir? If so, I bring you the means of procuring it. It was, says Torcy in his memoirs, like asking a dying man whether he would wish to be cured. It is not necessary to describe in detail all the negotiations which had preceded and which followed this. After Ramillies and the year of victory, terms had been indirectly offered by the French, including the surrender of Spain to the Archduke, on condition that Philip had Naples, Sicily, and Milan as a separate kingdom. Marlborough thought that the offer of France was insufficient, and would not allow it even to be made the basis of a conference. In 1709, after the defeat at Udenarde and the capture of Lille, the bad harvest and the terrible frost, the position of Louis was so much worse that he was prepared to surrender even the condition of a monarchy for Philip he was ready to accept all the terms of the allies laid down at the conference of the hague except the article in which they insisted that if his grandson did not resign the spanish crown he should himself compel him by force of arms next year after malplaquet the french king made another effort a conference was held at gertrudenburg a small town near the mouth of the Val, which place the dutch ruler selected lest at any more important town the envoys might incline the natives toward peace. But the Allies insisted on the same hard condition, and this conference was as abortive as that of The Hague. But in January 1711, for the first time, the proposals were made from the side of the Allies, and not from that of France, and as Louis was always well informed about the state of English parties, he began the new negotiations with quite a different hope terms which he would gladly have accepted in the previous year he would not hear of now the english ministry thinking the allies intractable were now negotiating without them and had signed the preliminaries even before marlborough's disgrace and ormond's appointment a congress was held at utrecht to which the allies at last consented to send representatives diplomacy was very long-winded but after many months the peace of utrecht was signed in march seventeen thirteen there were several treaties made between the different belligerents which together form what we call the peace of utrecht charles the sixth the new emperor held out obstinately he did not wish for peace and was very angry with the allies especially with the english that they were not willing to continue fighting his battles but what could he do single-handed he held out for nearly one year longer but villars vigorously turned his forces against him and seized a town or two then in the following spring the emperor accepted the peace which he could have enjoyed earlier the peace between france and the emperor personally was called after the town of rastadt that between the french and the empire after that of baden the spanish monarchy the main point in dispute together with the vast american possessions was left in the hands of philip v if the allies had been fighting to take it from him they had missed their object 
solemn renunciation was however made by the king of spain of all his claim to the french crown at least as long as he retained the spanish crown both louis and philip swore that the crowns of france and of spain should never be united louis swore on the faith word and honour of a king that he would acknowledge queen anne and the protestant succession and that he would give no further assistance to the pretender but induce him to leave france he agreed also to demolish the fortifications and to fill up the harbour of dunkirk though the english seem to have regarded dunkirk as a standing menace to their commerce and to have eagerly desired this article it was never carried out england was to keep gibraltar and minorca but she promised that they should not be a place of refuge either for moor or jew england also gained from france certain ice-bound territories in north america which france did not value the hudson's bay territory newfoundland and nova scotia they were valuable as fishing grounds and also for the fur hunters but the french reserved in the treaty the right to fish there had been indeed as many english as french settlements in these places and perhaps more english settlers the possession of the first two had been long in dispute but nova scotia called by the french acadia had been formally ceded to the french in the reign of charles the second it is important to notice that in this article england was commencing a policy of colonial aggrandizement which brought later wars on her england further obtained from spain the asiento contract which france had before enjoyed namely the privilege of importing four thousand eight hundred negro slaves into america within thirty years in addition to these treaties there was further proposed a treaty of commerce between england and france but the house of commons threw it out it shows how enlightened a statesman bolingbroke could prove himself for it would have established free trade between england and france neither of the nations were to tax each other's manufactures and each was to grant to the other whatever privileges it conferred on the most favoured nation france it may be seen suffered little by the treaty for she lost no territory and was left with the same boundaries that she had reached in the year of the english revolution spain lost her possessions in italy and in the netherlands of which milan the kingdom of naples and the netherlands fell to austria while sicily which was afterwards exchanged for sardinia fell to the duke of savoy who was further indulged with the title of king the elector of bavaria france's luckless ally was reinstated in his dominions and at the same time the elector of hanover was fully and finally recognised prussia which a month before the treaty of utrecht passed under the rule of its second king famous in history as the eccentric father of frederick the great secured its own recognition as a kingdom by the king of france moreover its territory of orange was exchanged for land which lay more convenient in Hildeland on the death of our william the third without children his claim to orange was passed to his sister who married the first king of prussia the little principality of orange was surrounded entirely by france into which it was manifestly more convenient that it should now be swallowed up whether it belonged to a king of england or a king of prussia the french would at once overrun it with troops in case of war lastly the dutch obtained certain towns and had the satisfaction of seeing the netherlands in the hands of austria a barrier between them and france 
it was not a very substantial result of all their efforts but if the english would not go on fighting it was not in the power of the dutch to obtain better terms holland however learnt the futility of engaging in wars like this and henceforth pursued a policy of non-interference and her influence declined in europe the peace of utrecht has been often criticised and generally in a sense hostile to its promoters the english ministry it may be as well to express shortly the arguments on both sides those who supported it said that the war was becoming a great burden upon england that her national debt was growing to such an enormous size that posterity would not be able to pay it that in consequence of the peculiar spirit of the castilians spain could never be conquered nor taken from philip except at a terrible cost and that englishmen who did not want the pretender had no right to force a king upon reluctant spain that the terms of the treaty secured europe from the danger of a union of the crowns of france and spain indeed that a similar danger was more to be feared on the other side for the grand alliance was intended to prevent the union of the spanish crown with that of any other first-rate power and that the austrian claimant was now emperor france therefore being humbled and threatening no danger to europe if england continued to fight she would be fighting the battles of her allies not her own to these arguments answer was made debt or no debt commerce flourishes france which has been for half a century a source of danger is now at our mercy her fortresses are broken down and marlborough has cleared his road to paris let us bind her now so that she never can be dangerous again it will never be safe to have france and spain under kindred kings the bourbons were all of a piece and this philip may yet succeed his grandfather in such case renunciations are valueless we know that france always regards them as invalid after all marlborough's victories the allies are wrong not to secure results more substantial as the peace of utrecht ends the war this is the right place to ask the question was this a just and necessary war and the answer must be that it was we must place ourselves in the position of the statesmen who knew louis and his ambition or of the people who had suffered and seen others suffer from his encroachments even after the peace of reichweck there can be no doubt that he was dangerous to the liberties of europe but as decidedly the war should have ended earlier peace ought to have been made after the battle of ramillies the war would then have lasted four years instead of eleven and much would have been saved it was the heartfelt mistrust of louis that made marlborough eugene and hensius the whig ministers in england and the dutch statesmen refuse to treat but they could then have obtained the same terms that they secured afterwards or better from that time forward the allies were in the wrong and at each negotiation at the hague and at gertrudenburg they plunged more deeply into it after the disaster at via viciosa all claim on spain should have been surrendered the allies asked too much and they were forced to take too little for that bolingbroke and oxford granted terms too easily and mismanaged the negotiations there is no manner of doubt when peace was proclaimed in london there was a grand te deum in st paul's cathedral handel's music probably being played but the te deum raised by louis and his courtiers should have been louder for in the peace of utrecht louis gained the most 
End of section 15.